Welcome to another episode of 35 West. My name is Margarita Seminario. I am the Deputy Director of the Americas Program at CSIS. How professional the Mexican but Are we ready? Oh, I don't reform trends in Argentina. Right. And that's what happened. No role at all in the NAFTA negotiation. Welcome to 35 West. This week, we're joined by Herbert Torres, an economist working with the Gallup organization as a research analyst and also a non-resident senior associate with the CSIS Americas program. He has been a member of the board of directors of the IMF, consultant for the World Bank, the Inter-American Development Bank, the UN, and always working on social impact of economic reforms. Herbert joins us today to discuss the contribution of Gallup to the World Happiness Report. We will discuss today the impact of COVID-19 on different social groups in the region, the trust in government institutions, and how the findings may in fact be used by governments in the region to develop public policies that capture the importance of the pursuit of happiness and well-being in development. Thank you, Herbert, so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Gallup, in partnership with several organizations, produces the World Happiness Report. Herbert, tell us about the research. What is the goal of the research? What is the methodology used? What are some of the factors used to calculate world happiness levels? In 2006, around that year, there was a Gallup a growing conviction that government institutions, government and institutions around the world, multilaterals, etc., were too much concerned about macroeconomic issues, were too much concerned about what we could call objective data regarding the state of world affairs, things like GDP growth, employment rate, state of infrastructure, and some others. And those elements are extremely important when it comes to know, to judge the state of human conditions around the world. But it was felt that another dimension was also extremely important that was not being taken into account, which is how people feel about their lives, how people judge their current life, what type of emotion they are going through, positive and negative emotions. So Gallup decided to start collecting data on that. And it was a long process, but finally Gallup came up with a methodology that is, has been uh, improved over time. And with that methodology, data is collected in 150 plus countries, representing around 90% of the entire population. And basically there are two set of measures. One has to do what is called life evaluation, how people rate their life. It comes to how people think or judge, you know, their own life. And second, there is another dimension, which is experience well-being, which is uh, related to or has to do with type of emotion people are going through, sadness or anger, enjoyment. So there are a set of questions that are asked to people to try to capture those different dimensions. For example, Gallup goes and asks people around the world to evaluate, to evaluate their current life as a whole, using the image of the ladder, with the best possible life for them as a 10 and the worst possible as a zero. And each, each respondent provides a numerical response. 
on this scale. So you could say, I feel like my life today is a six or five or four or ten. And typically around a thousand responses are gathered annually for each country. And with that data, Gallup then uh, creates three groups, different people, those who are trying, those who are struggling, and those who are suffering, according to their own views. And then also there are uh, the mention of what we call experience well-being, experience emotions. So we have positive emotions and negative emotions. And positive emotions are, for example, whether you have a lot of uh, enjoyment uh, the day before the question was asked to you or whether you have to smile a lot. And negative emotions, on the other hand, are, you know, the type of emotion like being worried or sad or experiencing anger. So those type of emotions are, are, you know, people are asked about them and are taken into account to define or try to establish how people are feeling about their life. Hedward, tell us why does Gallup go out there and ask literally thousands of people, how is your life going? Why is this measure of how people value their own lives important? Very often what we find is that economic indicators, physical indicators are not enough to know how a population, a particular country or society is feeling. We've seen many situations where For example, the economy is doing relatively well, but still people in that country are not feeling well about the country, about their life, etc. So, for example, if you take Egypt during the Arab uprising, Egypt, when it was happening around 2011, and not only in Egypt, but in several other Arab countries, Egypt was doing relatively well, economically speaking. The economy was growing. Still, people were were not feeling well about their situation and about the the country. So we see many cases where economic growth, positive economic growth, positive economic development uh, doesn't go hand in hand with people increasingly feeling better, feeling happier about their life. We have to study then what is it that makes people feel bad or feel well, feel happy or not about their life that is not directly connected to the material conditions under which they are living. And this is why it is extremely important, because ultimately, whether any government, any leader wants for their people, is for them to feel happy, to feel well, and not only to see material conditions improve. This year, 2021, of course, the research was focused on the effects of COVID and how people all over the world have coped. My understanding is that the report's main aim is basically twofold. First, to focus on the effects of COVID-19 on the structure and quality of people's lives. And second, to describe and evaluate how governments all over the world have dealt with the pandemic. Hedward, could you please give us some key takeaways from the research How has COVID-19 impacted people's happiness around the world and Latin America? COVID has had globally a a tremendous impact in the world, as we all know. If we just talk first about economic indicators, we can say that uh, global GDP is, for example, estimated to have shrunk by roughly 5% 
last year, in 2020, which is represents the largest economic uh, crisis in a year, generation. We know that so far close to 4.6 million people have died around the world, which is also a large number. Of those, it was 2 million just in 2020. There has been a tremendous impact in terms of economic material well-being. And we'll discuss Latin America later. But in terms of subjective well-being, and this is here an interesting finding, what we see using data from all countries is that overall, life evaluation showed no significant change from 2017, 2019 to 2020. On average, I continue to judge uh, their life more or less the same during COVID time than before. I said overall because, as we will see or discuss, it was a little bit different in Latin America. In Latin America, people definitely judge their life not so positively during COVID, during the pandemic. Now, what the data shows for sure is a negative effect, both negative emotion really went up. So particularly worry and sadness both shown a significant increase for the global sample of countries. So those two emotions, worry and sadness, really went up. And, you know, there was roughly around 10% increase in the number of people worldwide who said they were worried or sad the previous day. And if you go to region by region, then you would find that in the case of Latin America, the region really was impacted in terms of how they judge their life, in terms of happiness. Practically all countries in the region, all countries in Latin America went down in their rankings in happiness. And let's go into that because that sounds super interesting. What were these main findings for Latin America and which countries in our region kept their citizens happier throughout the pandemic? Which ones didn't? In Latin America, no country did well in terms of happiness during the pandemic. Actually, all of them went down. There is just one exception, Chile, that went up. Uh, The rest of the region and the Caribbean, Latin America and the Caribbean went down. All of them went down in terms of their ranking. So if there were, let's say, if there is a country that was 14 or 15, it went down to 20 or, or 25. So for the case of Latin America, it was significant. It was the region that was most affected in terms of happiness in, in the world as a whole. And of course, in terms of emotions as well. Positive emotions uh, were not as high as high as they used to be. Latin America is well-known region for their positive emotions. Every time we conduct those polls, we see that the region really is very high on, on, on positive emotion. And uh, this time, although it continues to be relatively high, it's not as high as before. But then again, negative emotion increased dramatically in the region. One question, of course, is why Latin America experienced that particular increase in unhappiness or decrease in happiness compared to the rest of the world. And when you look at factors that uh, may explain it, one of them is trust in government. Latin America is the region in the world with the least level of trust in government of the entire world as a region. In times of crisis, when you are dealing with a crisis of the magnitude that we have seen that COVID has, well, confidence in governments, confidence in public institutions is very important. And the region as a whole has a very low level of trust in government and and institutions. 
governments are critical, leaders are critical in terms of making people feel safe on what direction the country is moving, what needs to be done, what is that is being planned to get out of the particular crisis the country is going through. And that's one of the factors that explain why Latin America happiness has decreased in, in the region during COVID time. Trust in institutions and also trust in, in others, trust in society as a whole. There is one question in the questionnaire that people, if you feel confident that if you lose, for example, your wallet, a neighbor or a policeman would bring it back to you. And again, the region has relatively low confidence that it may happen. So having a low level of confidence in institutions, in government, in society as a whole, means that in a situation of uncertainty, such as what COVID represents, then you are, you know, on your own. You don't have anyone or, or not at least a, a serious actor to guide you through it. And I think this is one of the reasons why happiness, well-being in the region has been more affected than in other parts of the world during COVID. Can we compare some of the findings between different social groups? For example, how did COVID-19 impact unemployed individuals? What about those working in the informal sector, which is such a big deal for our region? Not all sectors are affected the same. So, for example, those that are underemployed, those who are not working full-time for an employer, suffer much more than those who have a full-time job for an employer. So definitely, employment is a factor. And you understand that it's not only what a job means in terms of income. It's also that in a formal job means a company, an organization you are part of that helps you in, in times of crisis to deal with it. It helps you to learn, to educate yourself on how to deal with difficult situations as COVID. And we can see, again, on the data that underemployed, those that have no full-time job definitely suffer more. Also, uh, there are other groups that were more affected than others. Female, more than male, they suffer more because very often they have to quit their jobs to take care of family members who may be under stress because of COVID. The young also suffer more. Those between 15 and 29 years, much more than those over 50, because of the social life they are used to, it has been more impacted, more affected than what others have or experience. Then education is another factor. So those people with elementary school or less did worse, have done worse than those that have tertiary education complete. Those who have education, what you may assume is that they know better how to deal with the crisis. They know better how to take advantage of those tools that are made available to the general population in terms of information, in terms of instructions, guidance on, on what to do. This is another case where the importance of education, the importance of formal employment is again proof and why government have to do an extraordinary effort to continue to increase the number of formally employed people and educated as well. And let's connect the dots to your last comment. How can the findings from this research by Gallup be used by governments in the region to develop public policy that actually captures the importance of the pursuit of happiness and well-being in development? 
I think one of the most important lessons of this research is that really trust in governments, trust in institutions, in leadership is extremely important. Government have to do, and leaders have to do everything they can to increase that confidence. For this reason, I think that in Latin America, we need the trust vaccine. We need the vaccine to increase trust. And to increase trust, you have to deal with things like transparency. Government has to be more transparent for people to trust them. Government has to be more reliable, has to be able to better define their goals, their plans, and to make sure that they comply with it. Leaders have to speak more openly, more clearly about, you know, what the goals, the intentions, the program, whatever they are going to do to deal with a crisis is or are. This is as important as any economic measure or any social program that may be implemented. Definitely, trust is an invisible asset, but is an extraordinary asset necessary for society to try. When it comes to public policies, more than public policies, I would say the necessary convictions that institutions and the quality of institutions are extremely important, and we have to do a lot of work on that. That's really an excellent takeaway. Hedwer, is there anything that we did not cover that you would like to highlight or, or add? Well, what I'd like to highlight is that we should take all these lessons, take all this data, take this tremendous opportunity of the crisis we have gone through and see what we can learn from it and how we can improve, again, worldwide quality of government. It would be, I think, a missed opportunity if we just try to go back to normal or we think that the next thing for us to do is just to learn how to deal with a new pandemic and to do it from a health point of view you know, what vaccines we need or how we better organize our health sectors. I think all that needs to be done, but it would be a missed opportunity, again, if we don't look at all other aspects that are involved in dealing with a big social crisis. Because next time, it may not be a pandemic. It may be something of a different nature. and it still be a huge crisis. So the question, more than how to deal with a pandemic, should be, how to deal with profound social crisis. And for that, leadership, government, and we as citizens in general should be prepared. I think that's an excellent message and takeaway. Thanks so much for joining us in 35 West. We appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. For you, thank you again for joining. Stay tuned for the next episode of 35 West. <laughs>